Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. And if you're new here, welcome to the podcast for the very first time. I'm glad that you decided to join and listen. And if you're in any kind of danger, please find a safety plan. Find, um, you know, find a safe spot to be in. Dial number one. Do what you need to do to not put yourself in any kind of violence or danger by listening to this podcast because there's triggering things and it's talking about abuse and so and other things and no one wants you to be in danger over listening so um but if you just need some assistance with an advocate and you're you're stuck in abuse and you need to get out please dial 1-800-799-7233 that's the national domestic violence hotline number and um they will help you there's advocates on the other end of the line that are willing to talk to you and they can give you information in your state to let you know whether your local shelters are your local advocates um or you can call your local numbers and state you know where you're at exactly so um and that being said i have a special guest on the podcast today her name is stacy kirkendall willingham for those of you who don't know stacy um she is a survivor of domestic violence and she is also a survivor of her children being murdered by their father so if she, if i have her permission to record i'll let her start talking uh, yes, absolutely, you do. So, welcome, Stacy, to the podcast. And um, you can just start wherever you want to, you know, from the beginning or whenever you felt like, you know, you was in danger with Todd or just whatever. But you can tell his name because I don't even think I, I said his name either. So, okay. Um, well, uh, I met Todd when I was 18. I was actually uh, living in Gainesville, Texas. I went to school. It was my senior year. I was. Uh, going to school and working, kind of putting myself through school, actually, my last year. And I met Todd. He came into a place I was working and actually asked me out to go out with his brother. And uh, we kind of started hanging out that night on the drag like most, you know, teenagers do and stuff. Uh, We started dating again, you know, or dating. And then um, I kind of started seeing some different things in Todd. I just didn't really... You know, I don't know, a little red flag that maybe this isn't the person. He actually moved back to Ardmore, Oklahoma, uh, and I was on my own again, trying to do this, you know, finish up my school. We shows up again in my town. We start uh, talking, going out, and just kind of, you know, we were together again. Um, spent the summer, I moved to Oklahoma with him at one time. Uh, I come back to uh, Gainesville. I found out he was cheating, so of course I'm gone, come back to my uh, town I was living in in Gainesville. Well, months go by again, of course, here he shows up, and we start dating, and I actually end up getting pregnant with Amber. Mm-hmm. And, and when I talked that I was pregnant with Amber, he was not happy at all. Actually, I remember telling him it was on his uh, 20th birthday, I believe. I had told him I was pregnant with Amber and he was just telling me, well, you better not be. And I just kind of, you know, like, wow, I mean, how do you, how do you take that? Here you're telling a person you're pregnant and they're like, well, you better not be. I mean, <laughs> obviously they don't want the baby, you know? Right. And um, I was actually ended up getting locked up. So I actually was pregnant with Amber on my own. Uh, Amber, she was two months old. And it was on Halloween day, actually. And then um, 
he spent a week with us and he decided he did not want a wife or a daughter so he left which you know that was fine in fact i can't you can't make somebody stay with you and so of course months later he come back got back together we were together for probably about uh i don't know eight months or so and i got pregnant with the twins and when i told him i was pregnant with the twins he was really upset he actually ended up uh Actually, when I told him that he was upset, I was actually drawing a, a bath for Amber, and uh, we were in the bathroom, and he kind of pushed me, and I fell into the bathtub, and I had told him, I mean, oh my gosh, Todd, really, I'm pregnant. Why would you push me? That's the first time Todd had ever done anything to me. He never slapped me, nothing else. And I, you know, I kind of thought, wow, how could you push a woman that's pregnant with your children, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, it was about maybe two weeks later, Todd still lived in Oklahoma. He would come down on the weekends to stay with me and Amber. And uh, he was upset about the twins. He, I, I just felt, you know, I look back now and I think, did Todd want me to have an abortion? Because he was so against the, the me being pregnant with the twins. And we got into an argument, and I remember he just beating me. I mean, beating me on the ground. I mean, had me held down, and here I'm pregnant with the twins. He actually, you know, I went to reach to call the cops, and he had the phone. He took the phone from me and starts beating me with the phone so badly that he broke the phone. Mm. And uh, and that's the first time anybody had ever beat me. I, didn't, I had never had no man put his hands on me nothing i was in shock that this person was actually doing that to me that's supposed to love me and his daughter is laying right next to me and here i'm pregnant with twins it, i was in shock that someone could actually do that to a person mm-hmm. but um of course he took off you know back to oklahoma yeah uh, i guess took off in case i did call the cops and so after that happened um i've I worked at a place, uh, then I was working at a, a department store. I actually went in that next week and put my two weeks notice in because I kept thinking, you know, this man beat me like this with my me being pregnant and oh my gosh, and my daughter was laying right next to me. I put in my notice and I moved. I packed my stuff and I got out of that town and moved away from him, 200 miles away from him. And so, uh, and I moved my hometown with my where my family was you know because here i am pregnant with twins now and i have a daughter i was going to need some help because i obviously he wasn't going to do anything for me that apparently beat me mm-hmm. and so i moved to corsicana and i found me a rent house i actually transferred from to my job so i would still have a job and i worked as i was pregnant with a twin and i had uh my parents would watch amber and i would work at nights and so it wasn't very long until Todd comes knocking on my door and uh, wanting to come back, you know, telling me that he was sorry. He can't believe he even did that. He didn't know why he would do that. He would never do anything to hurt me. And I believed him, you know, I believed him. So I let him back in our home again. And, uh, you know, of course, it's always good for the first couple of months, you know, and then it's it the 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 mental abuse began and it's not too long before the physical abuse follows and uh 
Todd would just get into a rage and start, he would hold me down and just beat me. And I remember that it got so common that this man was beating me while I was pregnant with twins that my daughter, Amber, would tell my parents, which was like, it's so embarrassing that she would even have to say that, or, you know, I hated that my daughter had seen this, but she would tell my parents, daddy hurt mommy. I'll never forget her saying that, daddy hurt mommy. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I I can't let him keep doing this. The twins are not gonna be born if he keeps doing this. And so um, Todd's took off again. And uh, I think it was uh, about a month before the twins were born, Todd come back actually. He he got with a woman uh, and so he started living with her. I think pretty much probably like six months of the time I was pregnant with the twins, he was uh, actually gone living with a woman. So I believe he came back like a month before. And of course, you know, always the same old story sorry you know i want to be a i want to have a family you know the girls need their dad and you know and he would always talk to amber and amber he would tell amber uh, don't you want daddy to live here with y'all tell mommy and i will never forget how he would just like he would try to brainwash our own daughter <laughs> you wow. know to yeah. talk me into letting him come back Right. And so, you know, I mean, and, and I did, I did, I let him, because, you know, I wanted a family. I wanted him to be in our family because when I was uh, four, my mom was married to a man, my stepfather. My, my biological mom was killed from domestic violence. Mm. She was, uh, and I remember being there. I was four years old. I have a twin brother. He was there too. I remember someone called my grandmother to come get us because they were fighting. And she came over to get us. And I remember her taking us out of the home, putting us in the car, and we were screaming and yelling, you know, because I didn't, I, at that time, I always wanted to be with my biological mom. Mm-hmm. But uh, she took us, and I remember being woke up that night and hearing people crying. And I was, we were in there like, why are y'all crying? And they told us, they said that uh, our biological mom, Lucy, had been murdered. That when we left that day, they continued fighting and he choked her to death and killed her. Wow. And so I, I grew up not having that that biological parents, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, my dad was gone. And thank God, I mean, thank God, my grandparents took us in. I could have asked for better parents than they were. I mean, they they loved us, they treated us well. I mean, we were lucky. God, that was a godsend for me and my brothers to have to have them take us, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just carried that through life, you know, growing up thinking, I don't want that. I, I, want, I want a family, I want my family, I want my kids to have the real mom, the real dad. That's what I want in life. And I always, you know, thought that's why, maybe that's why I took the abuse. And the thing about Todd, Todd knew that. He knew that's what I wanted. And he would use that against me too. He would say, don't you want your kids to have uh, the home that you never had? Don't you want the parents to, want them to grow up with their parents? Do you want Amber to have a stepmom or a stepdad or or the twins to have, you know, maybe another stepmom, you know? And he would use that. Yeah you know against me and so uh 
you know, I always kept it in mind, no, it's not what I wanted. And, you know, Todd would beat me and I would always think, you know, he's going to change one day. One day he's going to get older, you know, we're, we're 20 years old, you know, 21 and, and 19. He's going to change day and be a better dad. He's not going to be this way. Realize what we what he has here and stop being the the mean monster Todd that he was, you know. But um, that never happened. That never happened. Anyone that's in an abusive relationship that thinks for one second that they will change one day, it will stop. Stop fooling yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, you know. Yeah. That will not happen. No. They don't never change. No, they don't. They don't. It, it just, you just gotta get out. Um, and, you know, I remember uh, the twins, they were fixing to be a year old. And I had, I was working, I was the only one working. Uh, me and Todd actually got married uh, in October, three months before he murdered the girls. He actually wanted to get married. And I had said yes. We got into an argument. I can't remember what it was about. Probably wasn't even important, but I I just realized that, you know, this is something I don't need to do. I don't need to marry this man. I need to get back home to Corsicana. And uh, I told him, I wasn't, I said, you know, I, I changed my mind. I don't want to get married. And I remember sitting, he, we were at his friend's house and him picking me up off that couch and grabbing me and telling me, you will get up and we are getting married. We were getting married next door to these, their, his friend's house had someone that wanted to get up uh, marry us mm-hmm. uh, to perform the, the wedding. So, and I said, no time, I, I don't want to get married. And he said, oh, you will, you will get married. And he goes, and if, and if you don't, he said, I will leave and I will never be in these girls' lives and you'll, it'll be all your fault that they don't have a daddy just like you did. You didn't have your biological dad and I'll make sure they never have me in their life and it'll all be your fault because I will know why I wasn't there. And I just thought, you know, I, I don't know what I really thought then, but I got up and I went over there and we got married. But once again, just using something uh, you know my past or you know my kids against me to get what he wanted right oh yeah no and then um there was a, a time i was working in december of 1991 uh, i had come home it was a little late i had taken someone home from work and apparently there was a car that had been coming by our house so when I walked in the house, he says, why are you late? I says, well, I took someone home. He goes, you're lying. I'm like, what? I'm not <laughs> not lying about that. Why would I even lie? And he goes, this car has been coming by the house and it's your boyfriend. I'm like, oh yeah, right, Todd. I, I, yeah, I have a boyfriend. I don't, I've never ever cheated on Todd ever in my life. Never did I ever do that. He was the cheater, not me. And so we were standing there by the door because he stopped me at the door when I walked in and he keeps on and on about this. And the car goes by. I have my keys in my hand. I jump in my car. I follow this car. And I followed this car all the way to where his ex-girlfriend lived. And it was her following the house in another car. Mm-hmm. So I come back home. And I tell him, I said, you know who that car belonged to? He goes, uh, your boyfriend? I said, nope. 
I said, if that belonged to your girl, your girlfriend, Karen. I said, she's in another car circling this house. I said, so you tell me why is she circling this house? Are y'all seeing each other behind my back? And Amber had woke up and she came down the hall and I picked her up. And Todd turned around and when he turned back around, he just punched me. He punched me right in the mouth. And I fell to the to the floor. When I was falling, I kind of twisted to not to fall on Amber. So I got up, I went and took Amber, I put her back in her bed, and I come in there and I thought I said, I have taken your abuse for years. You have beat me when I've been pregnant. You have beat me for things you've done, you beat me for it. I said, but the day you beat, you punched me or hit me with my daughters, one of my daughters in my arm, I said, that's the day it stops. I said, to me, I see you beating one of these girls, hitting them or something. I said, if that day ever came, I swear I would kill you. I will kill you. I'll take my beatings, but I will kill you over my daughters. And I and I told him, I said, it was like right before, like I think two weeks before Christmas, I told him, I said, uh, after Christmas, I'm divorcing you. I said, you will never be in our lives again. I am divorcing you. I don't need you because I was working, taking all the bills. I was, and I had done put it in my mind, like, why is he even here abusing it, abusing me? Because I can do this all myself. And so, uh, and I, and I told him that he never said a word, never said a word about anything. And I, it was, which shocked me because I was figured I'd be beat the hell up after that, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, December 23rd, um, he, I left for work. And uh, is when he set the house on fire and walked outside and let the girls die. Mm. You know, he just walked out. Didn't I mean he wasn't even doing anything they said. He told them to call nine one one. And and this is my opinion on some things that's been said about my story. Mm-hmm. Todd said that Amber woke him up saying, "Daddy, Daddy." I don't think that Amber woke Todd up saying that, and he told her, he tells a two-year-old to get out of the house. Okay, she's two, so she doesn't run out of the house. She's two, she doesn't know what to do, especially if there's a fire going on. But Todd went outside and backed his car out of the driveway. He said he didn't want it to catch fire. I think when Todd stepped back up on the, because the girl's bedroom was right there at the porch, I think talk about- uh-huh. Okay, we're back. This is part two. Okay. And uh, I think when uh, Todd stepped back on that porch, <clears throat> that's when he heard Amber say, Daddy, Daddy. And at that point when Todd was on that porch. There was a pool stick, they said, on the porch. Todd picks it up and breaks out the windows in the girls' room. Well, then the fire just takes off. I mean, just comes out the windows and everything. So uh, I think that when Todd uh, did that, I think he realized Amber was still alive. And I think he knew that if he busted those windows out, that it would just be, be the end of it. You know, mm-hmm. the, the house would burn. They mm-hmm. wouldn't make it out. So, um, you know, and he always said he tried to go in and save the girls, and he never did. But 
And two, you know, everybody tries to believe that Todd was innocent when he wasn't. Another thing that people don't realize is when, when all this happened that day, right then, when the police got there, the fire department, the ambulance, when they brought Amber out, Todd then, they said he started screaming and yelling. And they had to put Todd in an ambulance. Five minutes, in five minutes of that house, being set on fire and Amber, them bringing Amber out, Todd got in that ambulance and actually stopped someone and said, hey, let me tell you my story. I tried to save the girls. I tried to get in there and save them, but I couldn't. He has come up with this huge lie that he carried for 13 years. I mean, what person that is innocent would come up with all these lies instead of just, you know, telling the truth, I couldn't get in there, you know, that's just something that I just wish people that do listen to the story and that the people that actually kind of think Todd is innocent. How do you come up with this huge lie in five minutes about how you tried to save your daughters and you didn't? Right. Yeah. Nobody, nobody in their, you're not in your right mind. No one's going to be. But in five minutes, you're going to stop before you get that analyst to make sure you've been taught. You tell your story that was a complete lie. I don't. I don't think I would be lying about anything at that point, especially if my daughters were in there. Of course, if I would have been there, I'd have died. I wouldn't be telling my story today. I know that. I would have uh, died with my daughters. Exactly. I mean, most parents yeah. would. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and and the I think that people just were manipulated by his charm and his yeah. lies. And a lot of times, abusers will manipulate manipulate you into making yeah. you think that what they're saying is the truth. And, um, you know, and then it goes back to there's battered women's syndrome. And I want people that are listening to this, you know, maybe the attorney that tried to represent Todd will listen to this, I hope. And know that even if your voice has cracked some through this podcast, this the intentions of this podcast is... For people to understand what the truth is right right yeah well you know uh i have so many things uh that were taught in this case and everything and i even have you know, the, the lawyer that tried to stop the action for that he had at that time actually i have the paperwork that he sent to the governor's office and he doesn't start it off by saying taught is innocent at all he actually starts it off by trying to uh, say that that it that I set the fire, you know, trying to say yes that I did it, and uh, then he goes on to say, well, that doesn't really matter because it wasn't arson. Okay, so if you believe so much in your client, why are you putting trying to blame to someone else, and then go and say, oh, well, you know, it really doesn't matter because it wasn't arson anyways. You know, mm-hmm. so there, there's a lot of things. I don't think uh, the lawyer even believed Todd. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, if you did, you surely would have not even put any of that in your paperwork. Yeah. And it is something he probably thought I would never see. You know, I never would read that paperwork, but but I did. And the thing about it is, is I don't have to be to read anything to see what Todd did. I don't have to do anything. Told me what he did. He told me, and that's all that matters to me is I believe what Todd told me at the end. Even wrote me a letter and thanked me for letting him clear his conscience in person. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go see Todd. 
And when Todd got his, uh, he come to Navarro County so they could tell him the date of his execution, I was there. And Todd stopped and he and he stopped and they, they actually let him speak to me, the, the policeman did. And he sat there and he told me, he said, Stacy, I hope you're happy now. And I looked at Todd and I said, Todd, how could I be happy? I've never been happy with any of this, you know, my daughters. And he said, Stacy, I'm telling you for the last time, you need to come see me. There are things I have got to tell you. You need to come see me. And then he walked out the door. I thought about that for several weeks. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go see him. I never visited Todd on death row. I did not. I didn't know what Todd had done. I still, for 12 years, I didn't know if Todd had killed the girls. I didn't know if Todd didn't. But I didn't support Todd in any way because there was other things that I divorced Todd for that him and his family did to me. So, but I, I did go and thank God I went. But he, I sit there for two hours and the last 10 minutes is when he started telling me, he he told me, you know, Stacy, I want you to listen. Just listen to my words and listen to what I'm telling you. And uh, And I did. He started crying. I just, I just kept my face clear. I kept calm. There was no screaming. There was no yelling. And uh, he told me why he took the girls and stuff. You know, he said, he told me that day you told me that you were going to divorce me. He goes, that's the first time I ever believed you, that you were going to leave me. And that was it. And I didn't know what to do to keep you. All I knew is that if you didn't have an and camera, you could never have another one. You had me. You had to have me to have those girls back. He said, and if you didn't have them, you wouldn't leave me because no, you could have a child that's going to look like it. Hold it on. Was me. You're breaking up. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay, honey. It's okay. You can you can say it again. Just maybe you need to. You're breaking it real bad. Oh, Was it okay when I was telling about the courthouse being there? Yeah, um, we're recording right now. If you want to talk about okay. it, okay. Okay. Well, so you went and seen Todd. She went and seen Todd after twelve years. Yeah, after twelve years, I went and visited Todd on death row. Like he had asked me if I would come see him because he had things to tell me. And uh, when I got there, uh, at first we—I mean, it was strange for us to sit across from each other because. I don't know. I didn't know what to say to him. And Todd even realized it. He said, you know, it's, it's crazy. All these years we have, we don't even know how to start talking to each other. And so he said, let, let me start it off. And we started talking about things the past, <clears throat> uh, just different little deals. Um, and then it was like 10 minutes. Uh, it, it was a two hour visit and we had 10 minutes left. And he, and he asked me, he said, Stacy, I want you to listen to me. And I said, okay. He started crying. He said, you know, I want you to think, I want you to think back about the, the night the, in December, what you had said to me. He said, do you remember, uh, you telling me that you were going to divorce me? I said, yes. He goes, that's the first time you ever said that, that I truly believed what you were going to do. He said, I knew you were going to divorce me and take the girls and I would never be a part of y'all's life anymore. He said, but I, I couldn't handle that. I did not want you to divorce me. And I was going to do whatever I could to make sure you did not divorce me. 
He said, I knew that if you didn't have the girls, that you couldn't go off and get with, marry another man and have Amber, Carmen, and Cameron. He said, I knew if I took the girls from you, that you would have to stay with me because as long as you were with me, you could have another baby like Amber or Carmen or Cameron. You would have to be with me. And um, he said, I'm sorry. It was it was stupid for what I did. I can never take it back. And he, he said that, you know, I'm just, I'm so sorry for what I had done. And he said, do you, and then he asked me if I remember the night before the fire. I said, well, yeah. He said, do you remember being at the store and I got mad at you and you turned around and said something to me? I said, yeah, I remember that. I was trying to buy a dress for Amber, a Christmas dress, and he had told me, no, she doesn't need one. And I turned around and told him, I said, listen, this is my money. I'm buying my daughter a Christmas dress. And if I want to buy it, I'm going to buy it. And also, remember, I'm not even going to be with you after Christmas because I'm divorcing you. He said, you confirmed that again with me. And I knew it was true because I knew you were really going to leave me. And uh, he's, and that's what he told me. He said, I'm so sorry. I can never take it back. You know, I hope one day you can forgive me. And he told me, he said, Stacy, he wanted me to try to help him get life. And he said, Stacy, nobody wants to die. And it's like, when he said that, I just like, come to my senses and looked at him and said, hey, you're right, Todd. No one wants to die. And I can guarantee you, on December 23rd in 1991, my three daughters did not want to die that day. And I got up and I just left. Mm. Never said another word to him. Do you suppose that the prison had that on recording? Oh, they did. Yeah, they had it. And I, I have even called to try to get that. Re- and I've uh, had to go through several people to get it. Um, and uh, it, it's been recorded over. They say they only keep it for so long and then it gets recorded over. What? And yes, and let me tell you how, why I even did that. I never thought about that. But this writer that did uh, the book, I think, Trial by Fire, the David Graham, mm-hmm. he come to my house and I had asked him to leave to get off my property. And I had told him all this stuff. And he tells me, he Stacy. We can get those recordings. We can listen to what y'all talk about. And I turned around and said, oh, my God, are you serious? What? Where do I need to sign? I will sign it, whatever I got to sign. We need to listen to this recording. I want y'all to hear that recording. And uh, he got his car and took off. Never heard a word from him. I guess it shocked him to think, hey, you know, she wants that re- uh, release. I wish that we could have released it because I was telling the truth, you know. Right. And uh, he's the one that got me thinking, well, and so when I, he did that, I started calling. I called Huntsville. I called Austin to try to get those uh, recordings. And then, and then they had told me that after so many uh, months or days, I thought it was 30 days, and I'm not real sure on that. But they say they record over those. And I was like, how do you record over anything on death row, especially if a victim's coming to talk to that person? No doubt. You know? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. How long has it been since you contacted them? Um, It's probably been, uh, let's see, maybe 10 years, something like that. Do you think that maybe that the person you spoke to might have been just telling you that? Or do you think, um, have you thought about calling I, them back? 
well, I could always call back. But the, the lady I spoke with, actually, uh, she she called me back mm. and gave me another number, another lady to speak to, to. She goes, call this lady. She'll know if it's there or not. And I did. And I did call her, told her what I was needing. And then she called me back and said, you know, we were checking all that. And uh, they only keep those for so long that they're not there anymore. Wow. But yeah, I would like to know, I mean, if, yeah, if, if they're there, God, I, I would love for that to be released. They should have a video of y'all sitting there talking. Huh? I would think, I mean, I would think if you're on death row or you're in prison, they've got you on video and they've got audio right. hooked to it. You know what I mean? Right, uh, yeah. I like yeah, what well, you're saying. I recorded too. Right. See, that should have been recorded. Like, he, should, he shouldn't have been able to go talk to anyone in that prison or in, in visitation without it being recorded because of right. why he was there. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's death row, you know. That's right. a whole different deal than just being in prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I'll tell you what, it'd be awesome if it could be released. Right, because he never I mean, he never admitted to, to killing the kids except for with you, right? Or right, did, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep. Well, now he had a brother. Uh, he actually had a brother, and that's the crazy thing too. He has a brother in prison. His brother spent 24 hours with him. 24 hours, like oh my gosh, you know, he was the last visitor besides the day of his execution, and he he told his brother a lot of things. I've actually contacted the brother, and we've talked about things like this, and he said uh, he told him about the same way as he told me. And his brother said, you know, I was sitting there listening, and I thought, oh, my God, he really did kill the kids. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah. And then he even told his brother that he deserved the, uh, the execution. He deserved to be executed, what he told his brother. Right. For what he had done, he deserved to be executed. Well, sure he did. And uh, the fact that he made these people think that he was, you know, innocent, and he was on this innocent project thing, and the fact that they did a Netflix... Yeah. To make him look like an innocent man is so bad. Yeah. And then, and that's, you know, that movie's only about trying to abolish the death penalty. I never even think those people. Right. This character they've come out with me, I'm like, oh my gosh, where did you even come up with this? Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody that watches it says, yeah, they know. And they're like, yeah, we, we know they don't know you. Right. <laughs> you're nothing like that at all. Well, that actor, she's pretty famous, and I don't know why she would want to take on that story. Unless she really knew the truth about it. And you would think that if you're going to make a movie about a a woman's daughters that were murdered, you think you might want to speak to her. Exactly. You would want to get, like, right. You would want to get in her mind and be like, what did she feel? What was this about? And I almost wanted to contact that actress personally. Like, I don't understand why Hollywood or anyone in that, you know, realm of, of actressing and all that, why they haven't questioned her, like why she hasn't been held accountable for that role that she right. played. Because, I mean, I certainly think that it's a little bit on the controversial side that she would even go there. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So, but I want you to and talk you know, a little bit. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I was going to say, you know, uh, I, I spoke out when uh in 2004 um about what todd had done and you know to me i was like okay i gotta now i need to decide how i'm gonna live the rest of my life you know i spent 13 years not knowing 
what this monster had done. I didn't know if Todd killed the girls for 13 years. I just want to know what happened to my girls, you know? And I didn't support Todd like ever. Oh, but she supported him all these years. And then all of a sudden, I did not support him. The only time I ever went to visit him when he asked me before he was executed. And, you know, after I found out what he had done, I was like, you know, I don't have to spend the rest of my life thinking, what happened to my girls? You know, I didn't have to do that. Todd gave me my closure. And I just thought, you know, well, I'm just going to, I told my family what he had done. And I have to look at it like, you know, I lost three daughters, but I lost the loss. You know, Mm -hmm. no matter what Todd did to me, Todd had a family. He has a mother. And I had a loss, too. And I didn't feel that I should go out and just scream it, uh, like they say from the rooftop, scream it that he was innocent. I didn't feel like I had hurt any more people. Todd did what he was supposed to do. He let me know what happened to my girls. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, if he told you, you'd have been screaming it out, you know, to everyone what he had done. But that's not true. You, you think you know, but you don't walk in my shoes. So you don't know how I, how I had to deal with that. And when that movie came out and I seen that movie and I was thinking, oh my gosh, how, what a, what a horrible thing. I said, you know what? Now they're dismissing my daughter's lives. They're all about Todd trying to act and try to make it look like he's innocent, which he wasn't. It's like they, my daughters didn't matter anymore to any of those people. And that's when I started screaming from the freaking mountaintops that that man was guilty. I said, no more will I ever let, I'm sorry. No more will I ever let any of those people dismiss my daughter's lives and make him look so innocent when she wasn't. All because they wanted to abolish a death penalty. That is not right. My girls, they may not have been here long, but by God, their lives matter. And that's why I do the hashtag Willingham Girls Lives Matter. I have spent a year taking everything I can on Todd's stuff that they have out there. And I have been tagging that hashtag Willingham Girls Lives Matter to all of his stuff to a point now when you pull up Todd, you read my story first. Right. Yes, ma'am. And you know, and, and, and that's how it should be. Yeah. It should be. It's about the girls, not him. Yeah. Absolutely correct, and I do believe I do believe that you need to continue this journey, and I do believe that maybe you even should contact a big news station about about you know what I mean, like yeah. even go that far because your girls' lives matter. Yeah, they, they matter, and um, that's what I want to talk to you about now. If, if you're all right, I mean, if you're I able yes. um, to talk about your three little girls, um, I know that's probably difficult for you to do. I don't know how you deal with their losses. Um, I could not imagine losing my little girls. But, uh, you know, if you want to talk about them, because, you know, there's other little girls out here that are going to grow up and, you know, become me and you. And they're going right. to they're going to be listening. These young girls, maybe even teenagers. I don't know. The age limit of who listens to the podcast, I mean, you know, I know it's kind of triggering because we talk about domestic violence and, you know, sometimes murder. Um, so, but 
if there's anything that you could say about your little girls and and what you could give advice to other little young girls that you know that are 18 that are getting married um you know about red flags and such what would you have to say uh well i would tell them that um to always if, if they're just getting married put yourself first don't don't let a man put you down i mean it can start with even even verbal abuse is you know don't let that happen and if you do get married and this man starts hitting on you leave just go. and i know it's, it's like i say it is hard to say just leave when you you know but when you have kids you need to you need to put those kids first and just whatever it takes there is so much now in the world that will help women uh, in these situations that will get them out and find them homes and, and relocate them or just to help them in court to make sure this person doesn't come around them again you know when i went through this in the 90s we didn't have all of this now it's there is so much out there to help girls uh that are in domestic abuse you know i would and i would say don't don't sit there like me do not sit there and think oh he's gonna change it's gonna get better you know it's better to have your family than not to have your family if you stay that may you know you think he's gonna change and you're gonna stay you know you may be don't be me don't be a lot don't be me get your kids and go and another important thing that i have learned is when you do have a plan you get your plan and you keep it in your mind you don't tell your plan to him. Don't say, hey, I'm going to divorce you. Because I, I do believe, I know I beat myself over by saying that because of what Todd did. He knew I was what I was going to do. Just get your plan and do it. Get out any way you can. There, I mean, there is so much help. Get with your family. Get with your, your shelter in your county or something. You know, there's, there's, they're in all counties. And that's what I would say to them. Don't just wait for that person to change because they're not going to get out you know live your life with your kids it's better to have your kids with the own with the mother than to have an abusive father you know it's like that was my breaking point when he hit me with my daughter that was it i was done you know that was my breaking point just uh, just don't have a breaking point just say hey you hit me once that's it don't don't get to a breaking point leave right and I mean, that's all I can say. Just don't think that they're going to change. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, definitely. I don't believe it. I don't believe they're going to change. No. No. And 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 just to to kind of make you feel like your your feelings are valid, but then in a sense, uh, you feeling guilty for telling him your plan. You you never knew, Stacy, that he was going to hurt right. your babies. You had no earthly idea. You did not think he for one minute that he was going to set that place on fire with your babies right. inside. Nope. That's something that, you know, you need to stop beating yourself up. I hope that you have because that's something there's no way you could have known that and no right. way you could have prevented it at this moment. I mean, you know, it happened. It was a tragedy and it's still a tragedy right. and their lives matter. And, right. you know, and I love the fact that you take pictures with you of them to where you go. I seen on Facebook where you had taken them. Was it to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, yeah, and the last one was yeah. the Grand Canyon mm -hmm. went a couple months back. That's beautiful. Um, and uh, y'all, I just encourage y'all to go and support her. Um, it is Stacy Kirkendall Willingham on Facebook. Um, just go support Stacy. Go and and follow her and and watch um, Abel lives here because you're going to get a better, you know, understanding of what 
what happened in the them things and led up to the events that happened um the the you know the podcast was kind of like you know just breaking up you know semi pretty good at times uh so we apologize for that stacy had a bad connection you know where she was i guess she was in her house but you know and it's raining in alabama too so um you know if she wants to keep recording or wants to keep this recording of the podcast we'll keep it because i know that it's important for her to tell her side of the story and to tell that he is a guilty man he was a guilty man and he died in the correct way um yes, did. you know what i mean like so you know that's that's my ending to this and um if anybody out there needs help uh like stacy was saying you know my abuse was in 1996 hers was in 91. there was not that many things there was not that many resources then um resources didn't come around until you know later on down the road and now there's so many different resources for women and there's so much support and you know i, I just uh I just really care about your story, Stacy, and I care about you. And you know, I honor the memory of your daughters. And um, well, so, I, I really appreciate you coming on the episodes of, or this episode of I'm a Survivor podcast. And um, guys, I'm gonna let you go. And uh, you know, like I said, go support Miss Stacy. Uh, it would be much appreciated. And support this episode of the podcast. And um, I love you guys, and thank you so much for coming and listening. And uh, I'll talk to you on the next next podcast. Bye, guys.